This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Community Foundation, inspiring people to give back, to sustain, and advance the community that we love. To learn more, visit givedoorcounty.org. And welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast. I'm Andrew Clyden, and I'm joined today by Miles Danhausen, writer and editor for The Pulse. How's it going, Miles? It's going good, Andrew. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm excited to jump into uh, another fun-filled episode of the Door County Pulse podcast. I let you talk about news on here all the time, and this week I don't want you to talk about news that much. Is that okay? <laughs> we'll try it. Let's talk a little bit about news, and then we'll talk a lot of bit about fun stuff that's happening. You want to try that out no, for a We change? can give it a shot. All right. Why don't we get the news out of the way? You're saying news isn't fun? It can be, but generally it's not. If you listen to our last episode together, it was not fun to talk about that news. Speaking of that last podcast episode uh, where we talked about the housing development that was shot down by the Ephraim Planning Committee, the one thing that was nice to come out of that one is we got a bunch of emails from people and a bunch of comments from people who were also upset about Ephraim shooting down that proposal and appreciated the discussion about it. And a lot of people who voiced more support for creating some sort of affordable housing options. Actually, I don't even want to call them affordable. I just want to call them housing options because as soon as you put affordable or anything before it, people, I don't know, they think we're talking about Cabrini Green. So yeah, it's just uh, reassuring to see that over the, the days after that podcast came out to see the support that's out there for these things, despite the made me ignorance of, of some of our officials. Yeah, I actually got people coming up to me who saw me in public, and this was a first for me, being like, hey, listen to the podcast. And I was like, whoa, you recognize <laughs> me from the podcast? Because normally when I meet people and they're like, oh, you're the podcast guy? I've listened to like 600 hours of your voice, and you don't look the way I thought <laughs> yeah. you were going to look. I'm like, okay, what does that say about me? Uh, but yeah, I heard the same thing. heard people upset about the decision, hoping that something will change over there. So I guess we'll just see what comes of it from, you know, what comes of it in the next couple of weeks and months. Yeah. So we talked a couple of weeks ago about the Egg Harbor kind of construction plans, everything that's going on over there, but we focused mostly on Church Street for that episode. Now there's some, some more progress on the Highway 42 portion of the construction project. Walk me through what's been decided and what is left to decide. Yeah, I thought it was uh, worth updating listeners and um, residents in Egg Harbor a little bit about what came out this week. Egg Harbor had two informational sessions for people to learn more about the Highway 42 reconstruction project that's coming through, going to be taking place from fall of 22 to 24. And I guess one of the big key decisions still sitting out there for that project is whether or not they're going to bury the power lines. That seems like not a big decision, but I think we've seen based on other places that have buried them and other places that haven't buried them, that it's an incredibly large decision to make. It has <laughs> an effect on the entire town in terms of aesthetic and how clean they look and all of that kind of thing. So any inclination on, on how this is going to go? Well, I thought, and I attended the session on Monday night at the Crest Pavilion, kind of had a full house there of 75 people, pretty engaged. And the overall plan for the highway met with overwhelmingly positive feedback. There were some murmurings about tax bills in the crowd, but only one person stood up to speak against bearing the power lines. I kind of thought there might be more. Ken seemed like a small decision. It's costly. and It'll cost about $2.3 million is the estimate they have for bearing all the utilities. And that would be from kind of County E up to the landing resort, basically, that downtown core area. And so it's not like a, it's not a nothing project by any means. 
But the alternatives are continue with the wooden poles you have now with the guy wires hanging down over the sidewalks, something we've all lived with for a very long time, right? And that would cost nothing. The utility company has to maintain those. The other option, and this is what the town of Gibraltar decided to do, was to pay for taller black fiberglass poles to replace the wooden poles. And those don't have the guy wire. So the only benefit you get out of getting those fiberglass poles is just removing the guy wire that comes down. I think a lot of people give the indication that they just don't think that's worth it to have a a larger telephone pole than the ones you have now, because that's usually what people are trying to eliminate when they would replace them. That project carried a, I think, $1.2 million price tag to do the fiberglass poles. So, you know, you could keep them with those small wooden ones to save the money. But as Lisa Van Lannen, the uh, chair of the Public Works Committee, said, you know, this is a opportunity you only get two or three times a century to make this decision because you can basically only do it when they're redoing the highway or at least only do it efficiently and (laughs) aesthetically pleasing when they're redoing the highway. And that only happens on the level that Egg Harbor is talking about two or three times. The last time Egg Harbor did a major reconstruction of the downtown streetscape was 1989 when I was 11 years old. Wow. I didn't know that it was that finite of a choice to make. The other thing too, you mentioned like the wooden, the wooden poles right now, I feel like wooden poles, you tend not to notice them. If you go with the, the bigger black fiberglass poles, you totally notice them. Yeah. And even though you don't necessarily notice the wooden poles now, if they were buried, you would totally notice that too. Yeah. Like it's amazing the difference that either one makes. That's a really great way to put it. Like Sister Bay buried their power lines 10 years ago and I have never heard anybody ask to put the power lines back. <laughs> right. I've never heard anybody regret that decision from a financial standpoint. Whereas you, you do on the other end of the spectrum, right? I hear nothing but regrets in, from people in town of Gibraltar by putting the black poles. I've never heard anybody happy with the black poles. And that will be a big part of how your project is judged, right? You can make 99 improvements, but if you make one glaring mistake, that's what sticks out to people. It's why some of these villages take so long to figure this stuff out. And it's frustrating to go through that process. Egg Harbor has pushed this back from original start date of 2017 to 2023, in part to get these things right. Ephraim went over and over and over with their project. And same thing, I have not heard anybody utter a complaint in Ephraim because they, they really went through it. And there were a lot of fights throughout the process. But ultimately, it seems like people are pretty happy with the end result. Egg Harbor, the only thing that was striking to me that's a little different than their early plans is by eliminating all the bump outs through town, they're going to be eliminating a bunch of the trees that kind of form the streetscape downtown. And they're going to eliminate those in favor of wider sidewalks and more parking spaces. That's one thing that raises a little bit of question mark for me because I think that's maybe one of the few disappointments with the Sister Bay project was that, you know, they had an opportunity to do some things to lessen the impact of seeing that, like basically four lanes of cars when you count the parking spaces and using some greenery to break that up and they didn't do that. So you have like this wide swath of concrete through Sister Bay and be like the one drawback of that town. And when you do that, when you take away the trees, you tend to highlight development. So... By not having some of those big trees, things like the Marina Landing Building at the end of the village of Sister Bay stick out that much more because there's nothing around them. Right. Yeah. Interesting to take all of those different things into consideration. But uh, I, I'll be very interested to see what the decision is on the power lines. My, my hunch is that it it's going to pass. Yeah. When's the meeting? August 9th. Okay. Anything else coming down the pipeline for Egg Harbor? Uh, No, we'll have more details, including the tax impact in this Friday's Pulse. And then we will also have additional details on the website that breaks down the project in more detail, including 
the projected project timeline. So obviously that's something business owners and residents are going to want to know of like, Hey, am I going to be able to get through when, when is my town going to be torn up? Right. All right, everybody breathe a sigh of relief. News is over. It's time to talk <laughs> about fun stuff. Miles, when was the last time you were at the farmer's market? I was there two weeks ago. Which one did you go to? Sister Bay. Sister Bay. Are you a early season farmer's marketer? Do you go all summer long? When do you usually end up to hit I, up the I used to markets? go all the time. My parents would have a stand at the farmer's market, so I'd just go there to hang out with my parents. But um, normally it's like late July, August is when you start to see like all the stuff come in. Obviously everyone up here wants to go when there's tons of produce available, and that tends to be August. It's so funny because I feel like I jump in right away, right when they open. And then I tend to forget about them and not go back. <laughs> and I feel like that might be like, like I might not be alone in that. So in the paper this week, we put together kind of a farmer's market reminder that, hey, they're open and there's new stuff in season. Tomatoes are in season, for instance. Yeah, we tend to think about it in terms of like, oh, it's May. The farm markets are here. Let's get out and do this. We've missed it all winter. And then really the farmer markets really flesh out right now. So it's, yeah. like, it's a good idea to put it back in put it front and center. Right. And there are farmers markets up here Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So you really can't go wrong. Pretty much any day of the week you want to go get something fresh, you can. Pretty much anywhere in the county as well. So And there's so like people may not know this but I mean when we first started doing stuff on farmers markets maybe 15, 10, 15 years ago, there were only a couple of markets. They're pretty small and it's been cool to see that evolution of more local growers, more people doing a uh, kind of a substantial farm that they sell at local farm markets, guys like Sully's Produce and Cold Climate Farms and stuff like that, in addition to some of the smaller growers and your know, Pat's Patch and Mary Pat Carlson and what she does up at Wildwood Market. So they've, they've gotten a lot bigger. The one thing with the farmer's markets in Door County, and it's easy for maybe a visitor who doesn't know where they are to overlook them, because they're in a lot of places, like in a city like Chicago or uh, Madison, the farmer's market will be in like a very prominent downtown park or location and kind of randomly door counties have other than Sturgeon Bay where it's right downtown by the city hall. A lot of our farmers markets are in sort of out of the way locations. You know, Jacksonport is in the center of Jacksonport, but Jacksonport itself is sort of out of the way. So it's just kind of, hopefully some people discover it by seeing this feature. Yeah. Well, I was going to mention the locations that the farmers markets are at are all really cool. Jacksonport's right by the water. The Harborside Park in Egg Harbor mm-hmm. is where Egg Harbors is. So you've always got these really nice destination farmers markets to go check out anyway. Sister Bay one's at the Historical Museum, which if you are a history buzz, that's a really cool place to go check out and take a tour or just wander through the barns. They got some really cool old pictures of Sister Bay and like uh, artifacts from kind of settler days and stuff. So it's pretty cool grounds. Sidebar, since you mentioned that, uh, my sister came up from the cities over the weekend and I took her down to the Door County History Museum, I think is what it's called, in Sturgeon Bay. Not the Door County or the Sturgeon Bay Historical Society, but the Door (laughs) County History Museum, right? Yeah. They're different. It's the one with all the taxidermy in the front. Yes. And I took her there for that because she's into that kind of thing. And then we just walk through the rest of the museum. So wait a minute. She's into taxidermy. She's into taxidermy. She likes bones and dead things and anything macabre. Wow. So I, is- I was surprised too. And she was like, oh, there's taxidermy. I love that kind of stuff. And I was like, I didn't. I, I think you like it for different reasons than other people. Might you like should it. have taken her to the Greystone. I told her about that as well. But we walked through the rest of the museum and I was just kind of taken aback by how cool it is. Like I've been there yeah. for photo stuff before, but I never actually walked through the whole thing and looked at everything. There's some really cool stuff in there. Yeah, it's a pretty good museum. Yeah. I, I like the, like the downstairs where they've kind of recreated some of the, what is it? 
Frodal's grocery store and the old advocate Joe Harris's desk, or I think, or something like that. Yeah, there's that, and then there's a, an exhibit that has an old like Sturgeon Bay jail cell. Oh yeah, and on the side of it, they have like notable firsts of like people who are incarcerated for like the the first person who jaywalked or something like that. <laughs> like, and there's just a bunch of them, and it's really interesting to be like, oh wow, this is happening all the way back then, or it took till this part for like the first this to happen. Hmm. Like one of them that was kind of disappointing was it. It's a lot longer than you think it would be for like domestic abuse arrest. Oh yeah, yeah. So. Kind of a bummer topic to end yeah. the historical museum. That's, this is the fun section, huh, Andrew? <laughs> yep, you got it. <laughs> Speaking of fun, Red Putter's coming up, Miles. Woohoo! Are you going to the Red Putter? I mean, I go to the Red Putter. It, you, are you saying, am I going to go to the and compete in the... I'm not asking if you're going to compete. I know that you're not quite good enough for that. But I know that you've got some family members who are trying to qualify, right? Yeah, and none of them did. It's tough. The Red Putter, like, we joke and we always, like hype up the red putter tournament to be like this big meeting of the Titans kind of thing, but it is kind of tough to qualify, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, you got to shoot par on the course, which I've never come close to. I mean, maybe I just don't do it enough. I have friends who are pretty adamant about it and they, they get their practice rounds in, but it's a fun event. There's some good money to be had. There's guys like Paul Nelson, always in the running year after year. I, I just don't have it in me. I don't have the focus to win a golf tournament of that stature. Well, if you want to check it out, it's going to be on August 7th. What else is going on, Miles? You got any inclinations for other things that are happening in the county? Well, you're the A&E editor. You're supposed to tell me this stuff. That's true. I was hoping that you would, uh, you'd kick me off with something. Maritime Week is going on next week. Kicks off on August 6th. And Maritime Week is kind of the salute to the U.S. Coast Guard. And it ends every year with the classic and wooden boat show in Sister Bay, which is always a lot of fun. They do a... I'm going to pronounce this wrong. Sycaflex? Yeah. <laughs> Where you just like, you have to build a seaworthy boat with very limited supplies. Yeah. And that sounds hilarious. I've that never is been actually to pretty it. hilarious. Have you been to it before? Yeah, it's a pretty awesome scene. Yeah. I, I know that's happening. And then new this year as well, there's going to be a Bloody Mary social on August 15th. Destination Sturgeon Bay is doing it. It's going to be an inaugural Bloody Mary social, and they're hoping to do it every year. I think Pam is pretty stoked about that. Pam Seiler, shout yeah. out to Pam. A couple other things. If you go down for that uh, Maritime Week thing in Sturgeon Bay, one thing to think about, obviously, there's a, like a lot of new stuff in Sturgeon Bay to check out. There's obviously the Maritime Tower, which we've done a lot on, but they just finished redoing Otumba Park, and they have it. It's now ADA accessible. And then they just finished up work over at Graham Park, I don't think it's completely finished, but they're pretty close with a bunch of Grand Park being on the other side of the bay. But a couple of new parks to check out down there, new beach set up to check out. So Surgeon Bay coming back. Yeah, I was going to say a couple new businesses as well. Grace Johnson wrote about the noshery, but I'm not going to talk about it because it's nerdy and I don't want you to... You just you, don't like board games? No, I don't want you to disassociate and stop listening to me as I talk <laughs> about how much I like board Tell games. Tell me about the noshery, Andrew. Nashery is uh, the newest location for Gnome Games. They're out of Green Bay. I think this is their third location. It is Gnome Games a company or is this a type of game like games with gnomes? It is a company. Okay. It is not a, I'm sure that they do have a couple of board games. They're featuring gnomes, but I used to go down to gnome games all the time to get board games. I love new fun board games. I don't get to play them nearly as much as I'd like to. And I definitely didn't get to all last year, which is when I kind of built my board game collection, but now I don't have to go down to green Bay. I can just go to Sturgeon Bay and get some coffee, have a grilled cheese sandwich, play a board game, 
and buy something new for my collection. So generally places like this, is this like you sit down and you wait for a challenger or you go with people who want to play this game with you? <laughs> the latter, but I do like, like the idea. speed chess in the park? Yeah, I like the idea of going in <laughs> with a deck of Pokemon cards and being like, <laughs> I will take on any who oppose me. <laughs> I'm sure you could set up like that. Board game cafes are interesting because they're kind of oxymorons, right? You've got a cafe which needs turnaround. You need lots of people coming in and changing tables every 20 minutes. But then you also want people to sit down and play a board game for an hour. And so how do you balance those two things together? The nice thing is that this is also a Gnome Games location, so you can come in, buy the board games, and it kind of offsets that as well. So you might not turn around as much coffee and lunch, but you sell the board games on top of it to make up for that lack of turnaround. Is it considered like... um Inappropriate to go to a, a board game cafe and play like a game of Risk for 11 hours? It might be. If you go and you sit like in the back and not take up a table. Or if you're constantly ordering cappuccinos and <laughs> just, stuff. Like if you're offsetting it like that. Just getting juiced. Yeah. If every 20 minutes you buy something to eat or drink, then I think you can stay as long mm. as you want. But you have to keep buying. So what is your favorite board game? Oh, that's tough. I have a lot of board games and I have mostly new board games. We went through kind of a board game renaissance over the last 10 years. I don't know if you've noticed how many like cool new board games show up at like Target per se when you're walking through the aisles, but there's been a lot of cool new ones. It's not just Monopoly and Risk anymore. I don't know if I have a favorite, but I do like the community board games where you have to lie. Those are always super fun. There's one called Coup. If you've ever heard of Mafia, no. Mafia kind of kicked off this idea where everybody's kind of working together to win the board game, but then you also have like secret objectives where you need to defeat the other players. Another one that's really popular is called Werewolf, where everybody puts their heads down and then there's one or two werewolves and the non-werewolves have to guess who the werewolves are to win, otherwise the werewolves win. So it's a lot of like lying and being like, I'm not the werewolf, I'm the villager. And they're like, you can't be the villager because I'm the villager. That kind of stuff is really fun. Man, I have a lot of catching up on my board game knowledge. I think my mostly stopped at about age 15 with categories being like the latest new game for me. I'll bring in some board games and we can play at the office. We should we'll do get everybody Let's do a up. board game night. Also, if you have a favorite board game, email miles at pulse <laughs> and let him know. A couple other things that are coming up. The Peninsula Pulse presents the Danberries. They're the second in our music concert series. Vanessa McGowan, who writes for us, is also performing for them in their upcoming performances. Vanessa McGowan, who also just performed at the White House. Yeah, when she's not doing, you know, small gigs like the White House, she comes back to Door County to play for the little people. Right. They are going to be performing Tuesday, August 10th for the concerts in the park at Fish Creek. Uh, on Wednesday, the 11th at the Waterfront Pavilion in Sister Bay. Friday, August 13th at One Barrel. And Saturday, August 14th at Max Welton Braves. So you got a lot of different opportunities to check them out. Very cool. <laughs> That's the best I could offer. All right. They are, they are cool, despite how interested Miles is in them. I definitely check them out. I also want to mention that Pat McCurdy is going to be in Door County. It's going to be his only performance in Door County this year. And I mention him only because I know that there will be people listening who are like, I love Pat McCurdy. Because that's, kind of that's kind of the whole shtick with him. He's got a really dedicated fan base. Yeah, he's had a long time following up here. I mean, going back 20, 25, maybe even 30 years at this point. Doesn't play up here a lot, but when he does, people love it. It's always a good show. I mean, we used to try and get him at Husby's. Could never nail it down, but he's played many a backyard party at a certain undisclosed backyard bar location in Northern Door County. 
he mentioned that I talked to him on the phone on Monday and he talked about how not only did he get his start in Door County when he kind of first started, he was playing every Tuesday at the English Inn. Then he mentioned those parties that he would go to. He's only doing one show up here this summer, and that's going to be on August 8th at the Cherry Hut, which is going to be a cool venue for it anyway. Like They're just kind of a cool new venue, and they're going to do his stuff. Again, if you know him, you already know why it's going to be cool. If you don't, go check him out and be prepared for a fun time. <laughs> for those who don't know, the Door County Cherry Hut is the formerly raised Cherry Hut between Egg Harbor and Fish Creek. And I think it last was what the White Cottage Red Door was the previous yep. name, but then this year reopened as the Door County Cherry Hut, and it's also the home of uh, Bridge Up Brewing Company. Yeah, so so lots of cool stuff in there. Um, they just completed their big outdoor patio and seating area. I think you were there recently and got to check. That yeah, out. I stopped by a couple of weeks ago. It's a really great big patio, kind of similar to One Barrel's outdoor area. It's, it's a good time. Yeah, I heard from Trent over there that they have Wisconsin's largest fire table, I think is what he described. <laughs> so if you're a fire table connoisseur and you want to go check out Wisconsin's your biggest spot. one, that's where it is. All right, I have one last thing I want to talk about. Miles, you've done a really great job of staying engaged throughout all of the A&E stuff, but I'm going to talk about theater now, so I know I'm going to lose you at some point. <laughs> I saw Not Even Remotely at Northern Sky, which I had previously seen a couple months ago digitally. I watched a live YouTube performance of it sitting on the couch here in the office. And it's a play about a play that got canceled due to presumably COVID that then had to be live streamed during real life COVID to a real life audience, but presented by a fake theater company. Are you following me? I'm, I'm following. You've right. talked about this in the past. I'm kind of curious to see what your final reaction was because you were skeptical. I was. I was skeptical about how a play designed to be live streamed about live streaming a play would translate to being performed in front of a live audience. And it was really, really good. It yeah? was a, a lot better. I don't want to say that the remote production that I saw was bad in any way, but being able to get up on stage gave the actors so much more physical room to be expressive. And so their performance just exploded out way more on the live hmm. version. It was super funny. They changed up a lot of the props. Originally, it was performed inside of a condo, and all of the props were like finger puppets and board game pieces and small things that you would put big in front of the camera to make them look life-sized. But on stage, you can't do that. So they just had really big props. It's performed inside of a Wisconsin basement. And so all of the props are like Christmas decorations that have been packed away for the summer and things like that. And it was really, really, really good. Super funny, super creative, kind of a masterclass in introducing a small idea and then just exploring it, exploring it, exploring it, making it funnier, funnier, funnier until you've like reached its full potential and then moving on to something else. So... I recommend it to everybody. It was super funny. They are going to be performing until August 7th. So if you're listening to it, I think you've got two nights left to check it out. But they are also going to release a filmed version for one week after the production. So if you can't make it live and you want to see it remotely, <laughs> and if you're keeping track, <laughs> that is a recording of a live performance of a remote play about a recording of a remote production. Very good, Andrew. So... You've thought a lot about this. I have. I've, I've been kind of like minorly obsessed with it in the back of my head until I saw it. And both me and my wife were like, this 
this is really great. This kicks butt. So, so glad we saw it. Do you miss performing? I do. Does it seem like I miss performing when you see how animated I get when I talk about it? Well, I mean, obviously you care a lot about it. I mean, I care a lot about sports, but I absolutely know that I, I can't go play sports very well right now. But um, like, do you do you aspire to get back on the stage? That's a good question. I don't know. I aspire to get back into theater in some way. I love performing, but I also love being backstage. I love doing design. I love doing video projection. I like directing, stage managing. I like all facets of it. So I definitely want to get back and get involved in theater again, but I don't necessarily mind which avenue I go down yeah. for it. I'm just curious. I mean, you're obviously extremely passionate about it and studied it. Well, now I get to write about it. And now you get to write about it. Now you can be a critic. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. I also, how weird would it be if like I started publishing reviews in the Pulse that were like, it wasn't very good, actually. <laughs> a lot of people have wanted to do that over the years, and I don't think that's the best approach we could take. Right. Is there anything else happening this weekend, Miles? Anything else you're excited about before we wrap up? No, you're no. not excited about anything. Nothing. Nothing excites you anymore. What happened, Miles? Who hurt you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a tired old man, Andrew. That's fair. I am too. You know who hurt me? Ephraim's planning committee. <laughs> okay. With that, <laughs> thank you for chatting with me, Miles. And I look forward to chatting with you again soon. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you so much for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. If you want to support us at The Pulse, check out doorcountypulse.com slash shop, where you can get a weekly Pulse subscription, purchase some incredible Door County artwork from Pulse artist Ryan Miller, and much more. We hope you've enjoyed the Door County Pulse podcast, and we will see you next time. Hang on, before you do this, I'm going to have Rachel kind of cut around this and move that section up to where I talked about it. And now we'll segue into the new section. Why? It doesn't have to be perfect, Andrew. I want it to be a little a little better than fine. And now she's going to cut that section out and put it at the end of the podcast. Leave it all in, Rachel. Leave all of this in, including this. And we're going to, this will be our least listened to episode. <laughs>